I do want to take a moment to give you some input in regard to our faith promises last Sunday. I appreciate those of you that filled out. A number of you um, simply said that you're going to continue doing what you're doing and thankful for that. But based on, and it's, it's not an exact science, reading the cards and trying to figure out what all has been committed, but based on our best calculations, that we have an increase of almost $1,200 a month in faith promises and over 14000 annually increase in our budget. That's a, a praise the Lord. But I'm also thankful for a couple of other things that have happened around here. How many of you believe that out of the mouth of babes, God has perfected praise? And I just want you to know there's a missions movement rising up from our young ones that you need to be aware of. Addison Allen had a project at school to use a shoebox and create something. And here's what she created. She created Berean Church. And so I wanted you to see that. She did a great job. Give me that next slide. And you notice the prominent position the playground takes. <laughs> I'm telling you, those of you who had questions about us doing that, that should answer all the questions. Come on, someone help me this morning. But you notice that strange configuration on the top of the roof? Uh, we just had a new vision caster named Addie, and um, she put a helicopter pad on top of our church <laughs> so that we can take the gospel to the world. Board, expect that on the agenda. I'm just telling you, that will be so. God's doing something in her heart. Give Addie a hand. And then I want to brag a little bit on my uh, grandson, Jotham. And you can, we call him the mini Chi Alpha student. <laughs> but listening to his parents who are missionaries at Chi Alpha, God put something on his heart. And he wanted to do a video um, to reach other kids with the gospel. I have that video and for $5.95, I'll let you watch it. <laughs> but he talks about the need for children to hear he goes into the story of Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden, tells the story of the one lost sheep, and when you leave God, it makes him very, very sad. And if you make wrong choices when you die, you will be very, very sad. <laughs> and then he tells them about Jesus. So I was just impressed with that, that there's something rising up in the heart of a new generation. I believe the greatest days of the church are ahead of us. And I believe God's raising up an army that will see the return of the Lord in their generation as we take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So thank you for your financial support and for all you do for missions and rejoice that out of the mouth of children, God has perfected praise. Give them a hand, would you do that? Enjoy this next video.
Now, I know that I'm new at this. I've been only doing this for a few months, pastoral ministry. I have never preached a Pastor Appreciation Day message. I've preached on Pastor Appreciation Day, but never a Pastor Appreciation Day message. And God dropped something into my heart a little over a week ago that I want to bring to you this morning. I am thankful for your support. I'm thankful for your kindness all through the year. But I believe we need to move out a little broader this morning and pray for all the evangelical pastors in our area and specifically the Assemblies of God pastors in the Des Moines area. Now I could go wider than that. We could be here all day, but we'll in a moment focus on the AG pastors. And why is that? Because the truth is when one of us wins, we all win. And when one of us suffers, we all suffer. And I think the day needs to end of the competitive nature that sometimes can rise up between churches. And you know where it's most prevalent? It's not among pastors, it's among church attenders. This competitive spirit that can rise up. Because here's what you have to understand. We are part of the church capital C. There is one church in Des Moines and that is comprised of those that are born again, love Jesus, and are on their way to heaven. I don't believe that God sees specifically the kinds of lines that we draw. Now, that church, capital C, is filled with congregations, little c, church, little c. Places where we gather together that God plants us for a purpose. Every church isn't going to reach everybody. But God places churches and strategies and methods in various places around the city and around the nation to reach people that would not ordinarily be reached or not reached by um, the same methodology. Now, I, um, I often get asked about church planting and had a friend who said wanted to plant in Pleasant Hill but wouldn't do it while I was here. And I said, don't ever think that way. Because wherever church is planted, God's going to use that to reach people that we won't reach. And we'll reach people that they won't reach. And I think on this Pastor Appreciation Day, we need to celebrate church capital C while we give thanks to God for church little c that he's put us together in. Does that make sense? The church little c matters in accountability and structure, but we are not the church. The church is every born again believer in every congregation or gathering place around the world. And what I want you to understand this morning is that pastoral pressures are greater today than they have ever been. There is an impending crisis in the pastoral pipeline, and there's an epidemic of pastors leaving the ministry. We hosted a section, a capital section event on uh, one night this week, Thursday night I think it was, and got to talk with some fellow pastors in the area and just hear the struggle and pain. One pastor that I got to visit with has been pastoring a church in Des Moines for 18 years and is still bivocational. And you have people that say, well, he ought to be able to be at a place where he can be full-time. Let me tell you what, I admire and respect those that care more about their calling than they do about their comfort and are willing to do what it takes to continue to do what God has called them to do. And I respect that and wanted to pour that into him. There are different places and different callings. On March... Um, First, 2017, 
The Barner Group sounded an alarm in a study called The Aging of America's Pastors. Listen to this. In summary, they found that there are far fewer young pastors than in the early 1990s. Most pastors are finding it difficult to find a successor to mentor. And I would add to that, talk to pastors around this area. And even to find staff, it's becoming increasingly difficult. The number of young people going into ministry is diminishing. And I'll tell you, that's why Carol and I are investing in Trinity Bible College. I'm thankful for Christian colleges and Christian universities, but we only have two Bible colleges in the Assemblies of God, North Point and Trinity whose focus is to raise up pastors and missionaries and evangelists for the harvest field because the pipeline is dwindling. Most pastors are finding it difficult to find a successor or staff. David Kinneman, president of the Barner Group, said, there are now more full-time senior pastors over age 65 than there are under age 40. What does that tell you? that tells you that pastors age 65 are still young and vibrant. (laughs) But (laughs) that wasn't supposed to be funny. (laughs) But they won't always be in the pulpit. So you have to have another generation that's rising up. And when the number of those under 40 is smaller than those over 65, how many of you can see an impending crisis in the pipeline of filling pulpits that we are already experiencing? Pulpits that stay empty, that a board member or just a member of the church is filling because they can't find someone willing to go. And my concern is that we are creating in our university structure a mindset that pastoring is a vocation that should come with all kinds of benefits rather than being a calling that we will fulfill regardless of the cost. One denominational study found that almost 40% of senior pastors were 60 and older, 75% were 50 and older, and only 10% were under the age of 40. Did you hear what I just said? 40% are over 60 in a denominational study, 75% are over 50, and only 10% are under the age of 40. The number of men serving in a second man pastoral staff position might conceivably become the senior pastor, but that was only about one-third to one-fourth of the number needed. So what does that mean? If you take all the staff pastors and move them all into senior pastor roles, that is only a third of the number that we need to fill pulpits for what's coming in the future. The clergy job market, another study said, is a train wreck. A wave of older clergy will retire in the coming decades with fewer seminary students in the pipeline to replace them. Those students are likely to find few churches that can afford a full-time pastor of any kind. We have a crisis in the pipeline and need to pray that God will bring a revival among the younger generation of men and women who are willing to stand up and say, I'm not in this for a career. I'm not in this for a golden parachute. I'm not in this so that I can have all the luxuries of this world. I'm in this because at an altar, private closet of prayer, I heard the voice of God. I heard him say, who will go for us? And I heard that call and responded, here I am, Send me, God, give us a revival among millennials who will rise up and hear the call of God to change their world. 
That's not the only problem. These statistics get argued depending on who found them. And I don't know how they're all quantified, but listen to this. You can celebrate that 4,000 new churches begin every year in America, but 7,000 close. That's a 3,000 church deficit in America. According to one study, over 1,500 pastors left the ministry every month last year. 1,500 pastors quit pastoring every month last year. 1,300 pastors were terminated by the local church every month, many without cause. So you have 1,500 a month in America who are saying, I can't do this anymore, and churches that have kicked 1,300 a month to the curb. How many can see a crisis that's coming in our, our nation? Over 3,500 people a day are leaving the church. And a recent study found that over 50% of pastors have left the ministry in the past five years. Half of the pastors that were here five years ago are gone. We need to pray outside our walls. Hello, come on, somebody help me this morning. I said, we need to start praying outside our walls and raise up a generation what are the reasons for leaving? March 2022, the percentage of pastors who considered quitting full-time ministry in the last year, 2021, was 42% of pastors who were saying, I can't keep doing this. That's up from um, 29% in January of 2021, jumped 13% in one year with the pressures that are facing those in ministry. I wanna give you the reasons that pastors are quitting, the top 10 reasons. The challenges that are crushing and smothering pastors. Number one, it's the immense stress on the job. And I can tell you, what does that mean? And I'm not complaining, we have a great church and great support, but you ask any pastor in America and they will tell you, there are people in the church who have never pastored who know what he ought to be doing. COVID has changed the world entirely. We've developed a Christian culture that is content with a digital service without any communi communion with the other bodies of believers. And those of you that are online, I know around the world, different places watching, I'm so glad you're there. But all of us need the local church. The pressures are immense to meet budgets, to see numbers increase. The pressures are high. Number two, feeling lonely and isolated. Number three, current political divisions are impacting the church. Number four, an adverse effect on the pastor's family. And this may surprise you, but most pastors in America have families. And you need to, and it's fine here, I'm talking about the broader how to pray. These are how to pray items. Churches in America need to give the same freedom and benefit of the doubt to their pastoral family that they give or want for their own family. My vision for the church conflicts with the church's direction. Pastor's saying, I have a vision from God and the church will not join in. My church is steadily declining. 
which is common today. I'm not satisfied with my job. Number nine, I don't feel respected by my congregants. And number 10, I don't feel equipped to cope with ministry demands. We're we're facing a disaster. Now, I don't believe that pastors are quitters. I believe a bunch of them um, have gumption and grit. But I'm telling you, on this Pastor Appreciation Sunday, will you join me and pray beyond the walls? Will you join me and pray beyond the walls? You see, the Apostle Paul knew what pressure was like. He said, I've worked hard. I've been in prison. I've been flogged. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in dangers from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in dangers in the city, in dangers in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked besides everything. Besides all of that, what's the biggest challenge? I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches, the load that I carry. I wouldn't put any pastor I know into that boat. I'm simply saying if Paul can do it, God can raise up men and women of character who will also do it. I like the way the message translate that last verse. And that's not the half of it, Paul said. When you throw in the daily pressures and anxiety of all the churches. Anxiety in America is at an all-time high. Millennials today are feeling an anxiety that measurably is equivalent to a mental health, institutionalized mental health patient in the 50s. We may not be being beaten with rods, but we're being beat with anxiety and pressures and public opinion. This slide kind of captures the thought. Be a pastor, they said. It'll be fun, they said. (laughs) Nobody told me it would be like this. Let me be abundantly clear. I am not complaining. I am thankful for the place God has placed us. But I've been in meetings recently and understand the struggle and the battle that I face and that pastors all over the nation are facing. So this morning, I'm gonna ask you on your digital device or with a pen and paper, to jot down some names of pastors that you will begin to pray for in Des Moines. Here are our Assemblies of God pastors. Please don't just watch this and forget it. Take one or two where God puts on your heart and say, they are going to be my prayer target. They are going to be ones that I pray for. And I'm gonna pause after each one to make sure somebody is claiming them as a prayer partner. Number one, Brian International Ministries, the Liberian Church in Des Moines. 
Pastor Willie and Deborah DeWay. They started off here and they're doing a great job in a, another area of ministry. I need some hands that'll pray for the DeWays. Just signify, thank you, I'm gonna take them on. Second, Central Bible Church in Des Moines, Curtis and Brenda Forney. They're working hard, it's a difficult place and I've known them for years and believing that God is gonna continue to use them. Give me a hand if you'll pray for the Fornies, thank you. Number three, Christian Life Assembly, new pastor there from Rhinebeck has moved there, Oscar and Megan Yuturiega. And uh, they have a heart and passion, desire to see God do something on the south side where they are. Christian Assembly, how many of you will pray for the Yuturiegas? Put their name down. All right, thank you. Then, Destiny Church. West Des Moines, Carrie and Liz Brown have been there laboring away as bivocational pastors for 18 years. And God is beginning to open doors. He was sharing with me some new families that are starting to come. And the great need for most of the churches are laborers in the harvest field. Who will pray for Destiny Church? Thank you, jot that down. And then Eternity Church, Jesse and Lauren Newman. Uh, most of you have heard of them. He's the crazy Aussie on the west side. And a good friend of mine, I count them both as friends. And in spite of the fact they're from Australia, how many of you will pray for the Newmans? All right, jot their name down. Bill and Sherry Winning from Glad Tidings, been friends since we were in, in high school. Glad Tidings AG, God's doing a work there. How many of you will pray for Bill and Sherry Winning? Jot those names down, I need a couple more. I got three or four, thank you. And then Heritage Assembly of God, James and Deanna Snow on the north side. How many of you will pray for James and Deanna Snow? Jot those names down. Then we have Hilltop Church in Waukee, Brandon and Katie Beeman, a new church. We're involved with them. They've done some innovative, creative things. Church is growing, but they need us to stand with them in prayer. How many will pray for the Beemans? Thank you. And then New Hope Assembly of God in Urbandale, Jeff and Jeannie Hill. In the uh, lead pastor role, Pastor James is Pastor Emeritus, which means he can do whatever he wants and say whatever he wants, which he has always done. <laughs> but for Jeff and Jeannie Hill at New Hope AG, I need some that'll pray for them. Let me see your hands. Jot those down. Give me a couple more. Need a couple more. What do you want to give for it? All right, thank you. New Life Center, Des Moines. This needs intercessory prayer and fasting. Um, uh, Lewis and Savannah Bonilla. We have already spent just in trying to make repairs over $200,000. Things are changing there. There's an attitude that's changing and I'm thankful for that. I know hands already went up. Who many will pray for New Life Center? Thank you. And then we have Prairie Crossing Church, Mitchellville, our other satellite campus with Lane and Sarah McGinnis. How many of you will pray for Lane and Sarah? Be praying for them, all right? Then Reach Church, Colin, Cullen and Shelly Allen changing culture. Colin and Shelly are culture changers and they're doing a great job at Reach Church. How many will pray for the Allens? Let me see your hands. I need some more of you. I need someone to pick those up. All right, thank you. And then Redeemed Fellowship Center. I just met this brother last Thursday night in Urbandale. Pastor Harry and Beatrice. No, that is not their name, but it's what we're going with. They're Congolese. Congolese Church running between 150 and 200. Um, the Republic of Congo and Rwandans are gathering together there and he's excited about what Jesus is doing. How many will pray for Harry and Beatrice? Thank you. And then last, Sundry Church has moved from Ankeny to Des Moines. Andy and Chelsea Reed. How many of you will pray for Sundry Church? Let me see some hands. 
Jot that down. I want to be able to say to them, we have prayer partners at Berean that are praying for you on a daily, regular basis. How should you pray? Lift up the hands that hang down. Strengthen the feeble knees. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. How can believers strengthen pastoral ministry, giving honor to whom honor is due? How can we do that? And I'm going to give you three things in the next 45 minutes. In the next 10 minutes or so, 12 that is happening here that needs to happen in every church in America. I feel free to preach this because I don't feel like we need correction, but if God puts his finger on your heart, correct it. Say amen, somebody. (laughs) Number one, number one, strive for unity. What do local congregants need to do? Strive for unity. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were filling or falling on Mount Zion, For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. You talk to pastors, church divisions are exhausting. Church divisions are debilitating. And what churches don't understand is when the leaders begin to fight, the next generation will be lost. Are you hearing me? Churches who fight end up losing a generation because they don't want the kind of faith that fighters and complainers have. I can tell you that story again and again and again. Some of you remember how it was here 13 years ago when we had a uniformed police officer in the lobby and had to draw some lines because church division has to be stopped. In fact, Paul says, mark those that cause division among you and have no fellowship with them. Galatians gives us this warning. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. If there's complaining and bickering and a, and a divisive spirit, you need to confront that and not allow it to continue on. Strive for unity. Dwelling together in unity is refreshing. Fighting over vision will destroy the church. Fighting over what the church ought to do will destroy the church. I'm going to say something here I need to be really careful with. But I had a church situation brought to me where someone approached a staff member and said, my wife and I, and it's a leader in the church, my wife and I are going to have to quit attending here because you put air fresheners in. And I wanted to say, oh, you enjoyed more the smell of stale urine from bathrooms that haven't been cleaned? Hallelujah. Say, did you have to say that? Yeah, I did. I didn't say it to him. I'm just saying to you, um, I will say it to him. Now, let me ask you this question. I want to talk to you about unity. How many of you, like I am, are sensitive to fragrance and smells? Okay, I get that. 
Essential oils are designed to kill people like me. When Pastor Lewis is in his office burning who knows what, incense of some sort, I walk in and my sinuses go into a direct frontal attack and my lungs try to crawl out of my chest. I can't even walk by bath and body without having a reaction. Those places are evil. So what should you do? You don't walk in and say to a staff pastor, if we are gonna have air fresheners, I can't stay in this church. I would say, where are you going next week? What should you do? Pastor, my wife has a high sensitivity to fragrance. I appreciate what we're doing here, but is there any way we could dial that back? Or can I sit outside and watch you online? <laughs> How many understand there's a right way? I'm not saying it shouldn't be addressed. I'm saying to you that there's a right way and a wrong way. That's gonna be my way or no way. That is the pathway to hell. The pathway to heaven is when they were all with one accord in one place, there came a sound from heaven. You want heaven on earth and the glory to come down? It'll happen when God's people put away their opinionated divisions and start linking arms together in Holy Spirit anointed unity. And in that place, ministry will be refreshed. Unity lifts the pastor's load. The spirit was outpoured. Why did they have to gather together so long in a prayer meeting before the power of God fell? Because it took them that long to get in unity. I had a revelation about prayer meetings. Shared this Wednesday night. And um, I've always wondered, why, why do we put so much emphasis on large groups coming together to pray? Let me tell you, let me tell you what I believe to be true. Number one, God isn't impressed by the uh, flowery language you use or the number of people that gather. Like if we had 10 more, I think we could get God to move. No, what happens when you get a large group together and we begin to pray? We should corporately be listening for the voice of God. And when that body begins to pray and moves in unity, when we hit that critical mass of a group of believers, see if we do five, 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 and five and all of that, but when we're gathered together this morning and we hear the word of God to the corporate body, what will happen? The power of God will fall because we have corporately found a place of spiritual unity. Number two, engage with consistency. Engage. <laughs> Ooh, I feel the anointing. Therefore, brothers and sisters, Hebrews chapter 10, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is the, uh, his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. How many are glad we come directly into the throne room? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. So let us not give up meeting together <clears throat> as the habit of some is. 
but let us encourage one another. Inconsistency in body engagement is a curse on the body of Christ. Some churches don't know who they can count on. I'd put Angela on the spot here in promised land. I won't ask you to respond. Just don't show any, any emotional response. But you know what the frustration is with people who schedule volunteers? It's when they say yes and don't show up. I don't understand that. When I was growing up, we called that lying. Hallelujah. Oh, I'll be there. I'll show up, sign up for an event, and then just don't come. If someone doesn't follow through, someone else has to. I remember, I've told this story before, when I was in Bible college and the Sunday school superintendent came up to me and a friend of mine and said, can you teach this morning? Because our Sunday school teacher just didn't show up. That person should never teach again. Why do we sign up for events and then not show up? Or not sign up and then do show up? Pew Research tells us that a study among Christians, Christ followers, says that 62% of Christians in America today attend church once or maybe twice a month. Saying I have to go to church to go to heaven? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you don't want to go to church, why do you want to go to heaven? But let me ask this. If we are going to effectively serve people and love people and have the door open so that they will be loved and cared for, and when you have to combine classes or filling station or promised land or other ministries because someone didn't show up, what happens when a new person comes in that needs that ministry? There's damage done. And how in the world do you build a consistency of ministry when the average attendance of a Christ follower is twice a month? Do you want to lift the load off a pastor's back? Engage with consistency. Now, I know people need to be gone, but I'm telling you, when I was growing up, people, you knew every Sunday who was going to be there. They might be gone on vacation and people would say, well, where's so-and-so today? And then I have people today that say to me, I was gone, didn't you notice? If you can be gone and not be noticed, I'm not the problem. Hello? You need to have a greater influence in the body. You're being mean, Pastor. Oh, you have no idea what I'm not saying. I'm talking about lifting the pastor's load. And, if you, and there are those people here that I know, I could say, can you? And they'd say, yes, before I finish the sentence. And there are other people I'd say, can you? And they would say, what do I get out of it? Here, we have a phenomenal church of volunteers that are consistent and working, but across the board, that isn't true in many of the churches in America today. Pray that God will help people engage with consistency. It lifts the pastor's load, knowing that ministry is valued, knowing who can be counted on. 
We gather together for what purpose? To encourage one another. And Jesus intended, and I have to say this again, Jesus intended that the church be experienced in community. And for the church to be experienced in community, there are people that have to be consistent in their engagement with what's happening. Again, those of you online, thank you. We're glad you're there. And some of you are in places where you couldn't attend. I know we have people that listen overseas, different parts of the country, people that are sick, people that are listening while they're driving somewhere. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Don't take this wrong. But Carol and I have had conversations with people who have left here and say, I can't find a church, so I just watch online. That's not God's plan. Glad you watch online. But if you're watching online, don't send your tithe here. Find a local church and send your tithe there. My mother had a hard time finding a church, and it wasn't the problem with the churches. It was a problem with my mother. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And she was sent, she believed in tithing. And so she said, I want to tithe where you're pastoring. And I said, Mom, the tithe belongs in the local church, and you need to quit sending it here. Did we need it? Oh, yeah, we needed it. But you need to get involved in a local church and quit excusing yourself because you're tithing here. How many are hearing? We need to be in community. We need to be engaged in ministry. There's a calling that God has placed on your life. All those ready for me to move on, raise your hand. Hallelujah. We're ready. And last is to pray with fervency. Confess your trespasses one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We pray to a powerful God. When we pray, we are not telling God what to do. We're listening for his voice. And then with fervency and passion, we take our stand. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayerlessness is spiritual deadness. Dry and empty churches with grouchy and critical people are there because there is no moving of God on their hearts and there's no moving of God on their hearts because they never pray. I pray when I come to church. It's pretty meaningless if you don't pray in your closet. Do you know how to bring energy to a place? When you've touched God before you get here when you've taken your burdens to the Lord in your private closet, when you're, lifting, um, when you're lifting people up, I have a friend, two friends, that I um, got to see at a conference last week. Both of them, their wives have passed away within the last 12 months. And talking to one of them, he said our anniversary was three days ago broken and hurting. And I said, I want you to know, I'm not saying this because it's the right thing to say. Since the day I heard, I've been praying for you. And their response both were, I can feel people praying for me. Pastor Tim, Sharon, you felt when people are praying for you. Pastor Larry and Dixie, you can feel when people are praying for you. And you know how you can feel when people are praying for you? Because when you see them, they're friendly. I had a friend in Bible college, wasn't a friend, he was an enemy, but I had to love him anyway. And I was praying at the altar that God would change him. And God needed to change him. He was a jerk, hallelujah. 
And I heard God say to me, if you would pray for him as much as you complain about him, I would have greater access to his life. Are you hearing me? Praying with fervency, oh God. Let me give you one, one example of that. I had a board member at the first church I pastored where I went to graduate school. I am trying to land the plane. And we wanted to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'd shared that with the board. We're gonna have a Holy Spirit Sunday. And one of the board members prayed two hours and 40 minutes every morning. Prayed two hours and 40 minutes every morning. I gave the altar call. I've never had this ever happen in a small church, home missions church. Six people came forward. And as I laid hands on them, one by one, they began to speak in tongues. It was unbelievable. And I saw this board member standing at the back frowning and he's just staring. And I thought, what is wrong with you? You know, this should be a day of celebration. He's frowning. I thought, well, I'll ignore you. And so I gave it again. I said, I feel like in my spirit, there's, a, there's another person that needs to come. And, and God wants to do something for you. And after waiting a couple of minutes, a young man got up, walked to the front, laid hands on him and prayed for him. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I thought, wow, I need to take this show on the road. <laughs> Hello? Man of faith and power. So I asked him afterwards, why were you standing back there frowning? Huh? <laughs> I was praying this morning and God said there would be seven and there was only six and I was interceding that whoever was being held back by the devil would be released and when he came forward I knew I'd heard from God. Those people were baptized in the Holy Spirit evidenced by speaking in tongues not because of the pastor but because a deacon was laying hold of God every morning. Without fanfare, without credit, you'll change your world and the church world. And churches, I'm telling you, all across America are filled with people who never pray. What do we do? What do we pray for the pastors I've shared with you? What do we pray? We pray for unity. We pray for consistency. And we pray for fervency. So I want to close a little bit differently. I want you to stand with me, please. And while we worship for a moment, I want you to begin this morning naming those pastors and churches to God. Just name them to him while we worship. And I'll be able to say that during our worship time, we prayed for every one of those churches. I want you to begin to name them and I want you to begin to make that your practice. I would like to be able to say a year from now that every church is stronger, that we have planted four more churches in the Des Moines area, that God is pouring out his spirit and it'll be because people in churches understand what it means to be part of God's calling. Let's lift those names as we worship.
on a down note, but I do want you to see behind the curtain of what some pastors deal with. I was going to say, you notice that none of those things headed with tangible, um, that we need to strive for unity, engage with consistency and pray with fervency. And I thought, and a slice of pecan pie helps. But think about this. This happened this month at a church in our city. 
couple that had been in the church for years walked up to the pastor and said, want to give you this for Pastor Appreciation Day. Check for $1,000. And then said, we're never coming back. That's evil. That's beyond mean. That's evil. The wound. Hi. You know, that's what he should. No, never mind. That's. When I first went into ministry in Cedar Rapids, what then was a large church, um, 300 at that time was a big church. And they had announced that they were gonna take Christmas cards for the pastor. Church of 300 announced it for a month, put a box at the back. And in that entire church, there were only three cards put in the box. That's behind the curtain. You'll never hear pastors complain about that but the wounds are real. And every one of those pastors have cried tears in the night that none of us will know about. And every one of them have had joys that they celebrate. So please lift them up. Make it a matter of prayer that God will refresh and send laborers and the church will be strong because I don't wanna just be part of a great church of Berean, which we are. I wanna be part of a great church of Jesus Christ that puts a canopy over the city. Amen. Thank you for being the exception to the rule, for being loving and working and kind and supportive. We love you all. And let's lift pastors and see what God will do. Amen. God bless you.